the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose, if you're familiar with that area. I'm on Ross Avenue near Hillsdale Avenue across the street from the Target store and the Home Depot shopping center right there on Camden Avenue. Uh, And yes, I frequent both of those establishments. I like to do projects around the house, so I go to Home Depot And I like to go to Target because uh, they just have a lot of neat stuff that I like to eat and uh, things like that. So there is my unsolicited plug for Home Depot and Target. Uh, If you're listening out there, you can send me a check. Uh, I will accept it and I will cash it. So um, I've been um, away um, basically from my office for the last day or so. Yesterday, I spent the entire day at a um, refresher seminar, which is required by the Secretary of State's office when you go to renew your notary public commission. Mine is expiring in about five or six weeks, so I went to uh, to take the class and then take the test. Uh, it went longer than expected, and I literally wasn't able to get to school to pick up my children till 6 o'clock, which is when the extended care closes at their school. Very long and frustrating day. Those of you who have kids who have had to do things like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It can be very frustrating. Now, I will be taking calls on the air today. If you'd like to call in with your question or if you'd just like to call in and say hi, that would be great, too. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And uh, my engineer, Marco, is uh, standing by to take your call if you want to call in. I want to let you all know that in the middle of November, I will be having two of my Living Trust seminars on Wednesday and Thursday evening, starting at 7 o'clock, November 13th and November 14th. They'll be at the Camden Community Center on Union Avenue, near Camden Avenue in San Jose. And I have enough room to take about 45 or 46 people at each seminar. And right at this point in time, uh, there is plenty of room at both seminars. But I anticipate over the next few weeks that they will start to fill up uh, between my 
usual advertising and some special advertising I'm doing for the seminar. If you'd like to come, visit eventbrite.com or go to my website at lawbob.com and look for the links to my Living Trust seminars. You'll see direct registration links to Eventbrite right from my website if you'd like to go that way uh, instead. If you go to my website, you can also spend time kind of browsing around at all of the information that I have on my site. I have lots of things there. Um, I'm an educator. I believe in providing a lot of information and education for my clients and for the public. It's one of the reasons I have been doing Living Trust seminars for, um, when I think about it, for well over 30 years here in the Valley. And uh, I'd like to let you know out there, if you have an organization or your company or even a large family or large group of friends that would like to have me come out and present a seminar on living trusts and estate planning, as long as it's within, say, 20 miles of my office in San Jose, I will certainly consider that. You can email me at radio at lawbob.com if you'd like to start a conversation about that. Um, That's a good way to get started. Uh, I do uh, bring everything that's necessary. Uh, I have a projector, laptop, a screen that I can bring and set up as long as there's room for it because it's a big screen. And I'll even bring handout materials to your company or your organization. For example, I've done a number of seminars over the years in local companies like uh, Synopsis and Brocade Communications. I've done them for local churches here uh, in Santa Clara County. I've done a few in people's homes where they brought in their neighbors or their extended family members. And, um, and I also do public seminars now and then like the one I'm doing in uh, November at the Camden Community Center. So please, um, if you have a group that would like a seminar, I'm happy to come out and talk with you all. Maybe take about an hour and a half to do it and uh, and then be there to answer questions for people. It's part of what I consider to be my responsibility as an attorney to educate the general public about living trusts and estate planning because there's such, it's such an important part of our lives that you don't really think about in most cases until someone gets injured or someone passes away and then suddenly the Um, the lack of estate planning becomes very apparent, or if there was excellent estate planning done, that also becomes readily apparent at that time. So I urge all of you, consider coming to one of my seminars. Uh, These will be in the public seminars. Uh, In December, I will likely be offering two smaller seminars, again, in my office. I usually do those on Saturday morning at 9 and at noon on Saturday. And uh, I'm always doing seminars. I'm kind of like the Crosstown bus. If you miss the bus coming at this time, just wait there at the bus stop and another bus will be along in a while so that you can catch that one and learn about living trusts and estate planning. Now, last week I talked about uh, contacting me if you have questions or if you'd like to set up a consultation, something along those lines. I want to emphasize that the consultations that I primarily do deal with either 
people who want to talk about setting up an estate plan for their family, people who have had a person pass away and they have a trust to handle and they are either the beneficiary of the trust, in which case I charge for those consultations often, or they are the successor trustee of the trust and they're looking for someone like me to assist them in administering the trust now that the owner of the trust has passed away. I also consult on situations where someone has died with a trust, but uh, they left property outside of the trust that needs to get into the trust, and that's a special type of petition called a Hegstat petition. I consult on those as well, and I consult with those who have irrevocable trusts that would like to be able to uh, to make changes to those irrevocable trusts. And uh, there's ways to do that. That's another type of petition that can be filed through the court system. I don't consult on LLCs and partnerships and C-corporations and things like that. That's not something I do in my practice. So please don't contact me about those kinds of consultations. I don't consult on family law matters either. I don't do guardianship or conservatorship in my practice, and I also don't do medical planning, which is part of the elder law specialization within estate planning specialization. So I don't do those things. But the other things I'm happy to consult with you, respond to an email at radio at law, Bob, or if you call my office, I can talk with you on the phone. Now we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I will be taking calls at 800-516-1220, rather. And uh, if no one calls in, I will proceed with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So after the break, we'll come back and continue on with Plan Your Estate Radio. I'm your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll get back to you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Well, no calls having come in, I'm going to go ahead with some questions and comments from around the state of California. <clears throat> Let me start with a, uh, a very straightforward one that comes out of Aptos. And a person uh, asked the question, um, can a successor trustee remove a beneficiary of a trust because of the incapacity of the creator of the trust? We'll start first by saying that um, it would be extremely unlikely that a trustee of any kind would have the authority to remove the beneficiary of a trust. Uh, you might have a trust protector which is a special type of um, special type of um, person or or a group. It could be a committee of people that um, are given the authority to do things like uh, remove a trustee or appoint a trustee, and might actually be given authority to add or remove a beneficiary. But a successor trustee would not be 
someone that would have that kind of authority. Now, here's someone from Southern California from Vista, which is down in San Diego County. If anyone's listening down there, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, here it says, um, what type of lawyer would you obtain to ask questions regarding property of someone that is on Medi-Cal? Well, Medi-Cal, when you're talking in this case, an elderly person, we're really talking about um, the Medicaid program, um, a federal program that's administered here in California as Medi-Cal. And the lawyer to consult with would be an elder law attorney, preferably one that specializes in elder law. I do not, but I know uh, many things about elder law practice and medical planning and practice. I just don't do them myself. And uh, that's the person to consult with. Uh, if you're in San Jose or the San Jose area, my recommendation would be to consult with a colleague of mine who's in my organization called Wealth Council. His name is James Berge, B-E-R-G-E. He's in San Jose. And uh, if you've been listening for some time, you might remember that I had him on my show. I'm pretty sure it was last year. And uh, we talked about elder law practice and conservatorship. So uh, you, you may remember that show if you've been listening for a while. Now, here's someone that says, uh, I work for a nonprofit that has good reason to believe it was mentioned as a beneficiary in the will of someone who died recently. We'd like to get a copy of the will, which we know was lodged with the court, uh, but not as part of a probate court case. Now, if that's the case, it's very likely that the will was just filed with the court and the person who died actually had property held in a living trust. If that's the case, it's not likely that, that the will indicates any distributions of any kind to anyone or any organization. If those exist, they're probably set forth in the living trust document and not the will. That being said, this nonprofit wants to know, since we're an organization and not a family member, all we could get was an informational copy of the person's death certificate, not a certified one. And what that means is you can get a, you can get a copy from the county showing that someone died, just the information that they died and what was on there. But a certified copy is what's needed to do things like take over bank accounts, clear the title to real estate, things like that. Now, they wanted to know, does this prevent us from getting a copy of the will? The answer is absolutely not. When a will is filed with the court, what we call lodged with the court, it gets filed, the court now holds on to it, and anybody can go in and get a copy of that will because it is now a public record. So you don't need proof of relationship. You don't need a copy of a death certificate. You just need to know the name of the person that died. And even better, if you know about when the will was was filed with the court, that would help as well. But anyone can get a copy of a will that has been filed with the court. Now here's someone out of San Francisco. My husband and I each have life insurance policy, and we're each other's primary beneficiaries, but we want to name our two sons as 
contingent beneficiaries. That's the backup beneficiaries for the spouse. But they're three years old and six months old. How does that work? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, don't do that. If you both die and your children are under age, that will trigger the need for a guardianship through the probate court, actually probably through the family court there in San Francisco, to take charge of the monies in that life insurance and to hold on to it. And without the ability to invest it well, it has to be kept in a very, very safe and secure way with really no risk involved, which means no growth involved as long as it's sitting in there. And then as each child turns age 18 years, they're legal adults, and whatever the money is that's in their guardianship gets handed over. Now, I don't think it's a good idea to hand any significant sum of money, and with life insurance, I'm assuming that it's significant, any significant sum of money over to someone who has just turned 18 years of age. I remember being 18 years old once, I was very smart and a good student and was going to a good college, but financially, I was an idiot. And I think most 18-year-olds probably financially are idiots. They may be still be idiots when they're 21 or 25 or their entire lives. In a case like this, I would suggest to these people, have a trust created, have each other maybe as the primary beneficiaries, but definitely have your living trust be the contingent beneficiary. I might even suggest that the living trust be the primary beneficiary because we don't want to run the risk that money is going to not make it into that trust so it can be held and used to take care of those two sons. Uh, I do this regularly. This is a type of planning. Basically, you never want to name underage anybody as the beneficiary of a bank account, a brokerage account, life insurance, an annuity, a retirement plan, or anything. You want to make sure that the monies go into a trust of some kind for them, whether it's a living trust that becomes an irrevocable trust when you die, or it's a retirement plan trust that is designed to receive the monies from a retirement plan and still keep them protected for that underage beneficiary. We're coming up on on the mid-show break here in the show. I hope you're enjoying it so far. You can always call in if you'd like, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If no one calls in, I'll come back after the break with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So, until after the break, Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I hope you return after the break to listen to more questions and comments from around the state. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Sorry, I had to take a sip of water there, <clears throat> so it's a little dry. 
So continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California, let me look at, um, let's see here. Okay, so this is a good one right here. I like this one because, uh, because it's something that would involve my practice, for example. Can I use a different lawyer to restate a trust? I have a revocable living trust with a lawyer about three hours drive away. Can I restate the trust with a lawyer close to home and keep the original trust date? Some other changes will also be made. The answer is yes. Um, attorneys do not own the clients that they do estate planning for. If um, you don't want to use the attorney used before because it's not convenient or because you don't like them or because they have retired or become disabled or died or moved away, you can always use someone else to make changes to your estate plan. Now, I will tell you, as an estate planning practitioner myself, I will not make amendments to a trust that was created by some other attorney, by the client, or by a service, or some online uh, online place, or a book that someone filled out. I won't do that. I won't do that because if I make a change to someone else's planning techniques or planning documents, I have now adopted those plans and those documents as my own documents as an attorney. What that means is that if there's something wrong in there, if there's something misstated, if there's something that is contradictory or ambiguous and causes a problem later, I can be the one held responsible for the mistake that was made by whoever prepared the document before me. It's similar to the touch rule in basketball. Now, I know I've mentioned this before on the air, and if you watch basketball, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, basically what it says is, if someone is bouncing the ball or the ball gets loose and it touches any player on a team before going out of the court, out of bounds, then the fact that it went out of bounds is charged against the team whose player last touched the ball. Now, that's true even if the ball bounced off their leg or their arm or their head. Even if they never reached out to try for the ball, the fact that it physically touched them through no fault of their own and went out of bounds means their team still loses the ball and the other team gets it. In fact, it's a tactic sometime. If someone's trying to get in and they can't get anywhere, to intentionally bounce the ball off of the leg of the other player so it goes out of bounds. Then you get the ball back, you get to start all over again. The touch rule in estate planning is the last lawyer to touch the documents owns them and is now responsible for them, even though they didn't draft them, even though they may not have may not be even aware that there's a problem or there could be a problem in the documents. So the short answer that was actually a fairly long answer. Yes, another attorney can redo your plan for you. But if you come to me, expect to have it redone completely and have me treat you as a brand new client for me. That means you don't get credit or points for having had your plan done somewhere else. You're a brand new client for me, and I treat you as a brand new client 
even if we're redoing an existing estate plan. So here's, uh, this is um, maybe a little bit sad, kind of depends on your point of view. Grandma's will had it set up to have me inherit money, half at 25 years of age and half at 30 years of age. I'm 18 now and my parents are the trustees. I need to be able to do things with the money now for my career, but I can only do so do so through my parents' approval because they're in charge. Ultimately, my dad makes the final decisions, and I'm sure he'll use my inheritance money as a weapon to dictate my life. So can I get my inheritance money now? Well, the short answer is probably not. The longer answer is you might be able to petition the court where you're at, in this case it's Sacramento, and request to have grandma's uh, trust that she set up for you um, changed so that you can get everything all at once now. But the court's probably going to look and say, grandma wanted you to get it at 25 and 30, and before then, looks like, wanted to have it used for you to get an education, maybe take care of you if you're not able to take care of yourself, but not just hand it to you um, all at once because you're an adult. So, short answer is probably can't get the inheritance money. Might be able to if the parents consented or if the parents decided to just distribute it out to you. Uh, but other than that, probably not. Okay, here. My friend's parents had a trust where my friend was the trustee. His parents passed, then his sister passed, who was the other beneficiary of the trust. There are no more beneficiaries. My friend failed to put three stocks into the trust. Now, what that sounds like is that when acting as a trustee, maybe for the parents, he failed to transfer stocks into the trust that were owned by the parents. He's also a chronic procrastinator because it's five years since his parents died. So I'd say, yeah, he's been putting it off. He's a procrastinator. Can he still transfer the stocks into the trust, or is it now an inheritance? And if so, how does he get it in his or the trust's name? That's a simple question, but it actually could have a very complicated answer. If the stocks are still in the parent's name, then uh, depending on the value of the stocks, uh, this person's friend might be able to do an affidavit of small estate value and submit death certificates for the parents and have the stocks turned over to him as the trustee of the trust. Then he has to look and see what does the trust say about his sister's share. Uh, was his sister's share to go to her children if she had children? If she didn't have children, was it to go to him? So that might be a way to do it. If the stock's values under $150,000 total value, then he could go that route and he could get that done pretty quickly. If the stocks are worth more than that, then he would have to go to court with what's called a Hegstat petition, which I've talked about many times on the show. It's basically a court petition asking the court to turn over property that was in someone's name to turn it over to their trust so it can ultimately be distributed by the trust. Uh, these people are in Woodland Hills. They might have a hard time doing that through the court system because it's not a very friendly court that they have uh, where Woodland Hills is located. 
And um, uh, but that being said, I might be able to help this person up here where I'm at, especially since he's the trustee and the only beneficiary at this time. Um, he could probably get it to the court system very quickly working with me. But uh, he'd have to have some kind of proof that the stock was intended to be in the parent's trust, either listed on a schedule of assets, a general assignment of property in the trust, or one or both pour over wills of the parents directing assets outside of the trust to be turned over to the trust for ultimate distribution. Okay, I'm the trustee to Mom's Living Trust. Mom has Alzheimer's. My father's deceased. Mom has a house with no mortgage. I have a letter from her neurologist that says she is now incapacitated and can't make any decisions, which, by the way, would include signing any legal documents at this time. How do I transfer Mom's house into my name? The short answer is, you don't. You don't because it's not your property. It's your mother's property. Even though you have the power to take it out of mom's trust and put it in your name, you have no right to do so because mom's still alive. It's her property. It remains her property. And anything like taking the property out of the trust, putting it in your name, would probably be treated by the law as elder abuse or financial elder abuse, basically stealing the property from your mother. Even if you're ultimately going to inherit it, you don't have a right to it until your mother passes away. So this person, I would tell them, you don't transfer the house into your name. You just don't do that because you don't have any authority to do that and if you do that and the authorities find out, you may be charged with a criminal offense for doing that. So just don't do that. Now, uh, one more quick one before we reach the third break of the show today. Um, does property tax still have to be paid while the property's in probate and, uh, and the estate doesn't have equity to reimburse the executor. That's the person put in charge in a probate. Um, my dad's property has a reverse mortgage. He left the property to me and my nephew. Do we owe the property tax while it's still in probate and before it's been changed to our names? Well, the bottom line is someone has to pay that property tax and either it's paid by the estate or paid by you to keep the property going into a tax lien situation. So ultimately, you as the owners of the property will have to pay the tax unless there's money in the estate to pay it. That's just the reality of going through probate. We're coming up on the third break of the show today. Um, I still could take one call in the last segment if you'd like. 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. If no one calls in, I'll finish out the show today with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. So I'll talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Over the break, a uh, call came in from Gus in Lafayette. Gus, are you there? 
Yes, sir, I am. Yes, well, welcome to the show. Is you, is this your first time calling a radio show? It is. Okay, I promise to be gentle. How's that? Um, okay. So what would you like to know? You're, you're talking with a lawyer. What would you like to know? Well, you know, um, what I asked had to, has to do with just in general. Um, my wife and I set up a, a trust in 2006. Uh, the attorney mm-hmm. that handled that for us retired several years ago. And so uh, we have not revisited the trust and changed things over the past 13 years. So I just wanted to get an idea, and, and this may be uh, a difficult question in that you don't know the particulars, but an idea in general about how much it would cost to review a trust and then set it up again. Okay, those are actually two two different questions, so let's break them down. To review a trust, it depends on who you go to. Uh, some attorneys will charge for, uh, for the time to look over a trust and give feedback. Um, some, if you'd like, they'll do a, a detailed analysis. But if they're doing a detailed analysis, it's probably going to cost you more than what it would to just have it updated uh, to what it should be today. Uh, In my case, I'm very happy to take a look at someone's existing trust, um, ask them questions about it. I just ask that they get a copy to me before coming in and meeting with me so I can look it over, make notes to myself, put post-its, highlight things like that. And then just I focus on a couple of things in my reviews. Number one, um, is what the trust said then what you still want today? Or has that changed? Has there been uh, uh, any changes with family members? Um, You know, more kids, fewer kids, kids that turned out really great, kids that didn't turn out so great and you're worried about them. And then also how property is being passed on to the next generation. I find find a lot of trust. Oh, okay. I hope you pulled over. (laughs) No, no, no. I hope you pulled over. They're going the other they're going the other way. <laughs> going the other way. Okay. I hope you're not. Uh, I hope you pulled over to talk with me. That's that's the other thing. Um, oh, you're so, a speaker. Um, you're good. Okay, I'm good to go. Great. So you're doing hands free. Yeah. That's the way to always drive, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Hands free with your speaker on. Uh, my my car. I can actually route it through the sound system of the car, so I can talk, yeah. listen over the the sound system, and talk into the sound system. And it works quite well. Right. Um, so the other thing that I look for is how property is being passed on and uh, and see if, if people want to give it outright, if they want to maybe do asset protection planning. Um, but I caution anyone coming in to meet with me that they're likely to want to have it redone. <laughs> so that's kind of my warning ahead of time. You're likely to want to have it redone. If I do, if I update everything, someone coming in with a, with an estate plan prepared by somebody else uh, is a brand new client for me. So it's not a matter of me revising and updating what you have. It's a matter of me creating a new estate plan for you, perhaps based on what you have. But the likelihood is the only thing that will be left when we're done 
is the original name of the trust and the date it was established. Everything else will be replaced, including powers of attorney, advanced health care directives, all kinds of things, because I, I do custom-drafted documents for everything in the estate plan, which means that it's going to end up looking very different from what you started with. Well, um, and so for something like that, just in general, is there a way that you can give sort of a ballpark figure? I can't. What I can do and what I'm willing to do is no more than what I'm willing to do to anyone calling in or, or even um, um, just in general. Uh, for an individual to do an estate plan for an individual uh, who has no more than one property, one piece of real estate, I charge a fixed fee of $4,000. For a married couple, gotcha. it's $5,000. It's $1,000 more. Uh, for an unmarried couple um, that wants to do planning together, it's, um, I think I charge uh, 7000 so it's a discount because it's two different plans. So uh, those are my fees. They might be less if someone has a legal service plan through their employer that I am a provider for. So that could provide a discount. And now and then I provide discounts at my seminars, uh, although I haven't done that recently. I, I have enough business coming in on a regular basis that I, I don't uh, worry about that anymore. But we're coming up on the end of the show, Gus. I mean, if you wanted to email me uh, or give me a call, I'd be happy to just take a look at it for you and your wife. That would be just fine. But we have to wrap it up today. So I have to say goodbye okay, now. That, We're coming so up much. about you're very welcome and you have a great weekend. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're wrapping up the show today. Um, we just have about 30 seconds left. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, consider coming to my seminars one of my seminars in November. You can go to my website to find out more or Eventbrite. Look up the Living Trust Seminar. So until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your State Radio. I hope you have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.